Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Fi, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We're your hosts, I'm Tim. I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we've got a fascinating topic about undersea cables. How is it that just a few hundred cables under the ocean provides all the internet's entire backbone to the whole world? And who actually owns and manages these cables? It's pretty crazy, right? The internet is carried through these hundreds of cables underneath the ocean. So the original transoceanic telegraph cables were laid by the telegraph companies. Then later the phone companies, and these were originally good old fashioned copper wires in a whole lot of shielding. And then much later on, they added these things called repeaters or amplifiers. Those all sound like pretty old technology. Yeah, in more recent decades, the cables switched from using copper conductors to something called fiber optic cables. The nice thing about fiber optics is that you could shove multiple different color wavelengths of light down the exact same cable. So you could do something that's called multiplexing, which basically means you can simultaneously send hundreds of different signals down one fiber optic cable. With the right electronics to encode and decode and multiplex these light signals very fast, you can get a single fiber optic strand carrying tens of gigabits per second of data. So now if you run multiple fiber optic strands in the same cable, therefore you could be start transmitting a whole ton of data. I see. Now back to the original question, who lays these undersea cables in the first place? So the equipment, ships, and personnel to make and lay and splice all these cables across the ocean are, you know, it's pretty expensive, right? So as a result, there are only a few companies who specialize in doing this. One company is a British company called Global Marine Systems, for example. And these companies are contracted by companies like telecommunications or internet companies or even governments. It's a pretty complex process of laying cables across the ocean floor, as you can imagine. Yes, I want to hear a little bit more about that. What happens when you have varying depths of ocean floor and when you have valleys? Do cables just dangle across those gaps? That's a good question. There are no gaps and they lay out enough cable from the cable ship so it settles on the actual floor of the ocean bed. There are, you know, deep currents in the ocean and these currents can slowly move cables that are not fixed properly in place, uh, even wearing the insulation away over time. So it's pretty important for it not to be suspended. It's actually a very scientific process. So before the cable is laid, a survey ship first travels the intended route, measuring the floor profile so they can ensure they have enough cable to deploy extra so there are no parts suspended off the floor. I see. Now, how do these cables look? Are they massive, like huge pipes? Oh, they're not that thick. Some of the internet cables that cross the Atlantic Ocean on the seabed are only as thick as maybe a magic marker pen in the, in the deep seas. Others can be a little thicker, like equivalent to the diameter of a soda can, for example. The thickness pretty much depends on how much insulation you need to protect that cable. Undersea cables are more heavily armored in their near shore portions to protect them from things like boat anchors, fishing gear, <laughs> and even sharks. Ooh, tell us about sharks. Yeah, so traditionally, sharks were thought to be attracted to the electrical power that is carried through uh, power amplifiers or repeaters in the cable. They can sense electromagnetic fields, so we used to think that they may be attracted to the current. 
but sharks apparently still like chewing through these cables even though we now use fiber optics. And it's actually in recent years been more of boat anchors that have actually taken down the internet, almost taken the internet down entirely for some countries. Yeah, that's right. In 2008, a ship's anchor is thought to have accidentally cut two underwater internet cables, reducing Asia's entire internet capacity by something like 75 to 80%. So the first incident caused damage in the Mediterranean Sea and the Middle East in like January. And then in late February, there was another outage, this time affecting a fiber optic connection between Singapore and Jakarta, followed by another major incident in December. So yeah, a lot of disruptions can actually uh, disrupt the internet across many swaths of land. Well, that seems like a major disruption across that whole region. I wonder what would have happened if a connection across the Atlantic or Pacific were to be broken. Oh, well, actually, a cut in a cable crossing the Atlantic Ocean has no significant effect due to the many alternate cables. Because there's only a handful of internet cables that serve the Middle East, these disruptions are more noticeable because of the smaller number of redundant cables. I see. And in 2008, how did they know it was caused by a boat anchor? So they don't quite know for sure. Uh, it's, of course, hard to prove exactly. And in fact, since Israel and Iraq were not affected by the 2008 communications blackout, there were like a whole bunch of conspiracy theories on the internet about whether maybe it was sabotage or something. But what we do know is that subsea cable damage is a very common occurrence. There are a constant fleet of large ships that you know do nothing but fix cable cuts and bends, which are usually from cables simply rubbing against rocks across the ocean floor. That company we mentioned earlier, right? Global Marine Systems, they do something like 50 repair operations each year in the Atlantic Ocean alone. Thanks, Kevin. Do you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you've got comments and suggestions for us. And if you're a regular listener of this podcast, please do take the time to go and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes when you get a chance. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.